welcome to another episode of the Aquatic Mentors podcast. I'm your host Katrina Van Eyck and in this episode I interview an industry professional who has been officiating swim meets in New South Wales since 1994. So please extend a big welcome to the podcast for Sherry Smith. Sherry picked up a stopwatch at her daughter's first come and try swim meet at the Peakhurst ASC Swimming Club in 1994 and has not looked back since then. After her children moved on from swimming, Sherry continued to volunteer her time officiating meets and building her experience and knowledge in the technical side of swimming. Sherry has been given the opportunity to officiate at major events like the Olympics, Paralympics and Commonwealth Games during her eight-year term as a FINA technical official and remembers seeing some of Australia's Olympic and Paralympic swimmers. She officiated when they first started competing in their first swim meet when they were young. For the future of officiating swimming, Sherry sees an interesting future intertwined with technology and looks forward to a hybrid system where the technology assists us to run a fair and efficient swim meet. Sherry shares her thoughts on the coach-official relationship and explains that the officials are there to keep the swim meet fair and emphasises that the officials are not out to get the swimmers. They enjoy watching swimmers achieve PBs and race goals. Chlorine is in her blood and even though Sherry's term as a FINA technical official has come to an end and she has stepped down from the technical officials board, she looks forward to continuing her walks along pool deck and hopes to give back to the industry by mentoring and supporting new officials and by sharing her knowledge and skills. Through today's episode, Sherry shares some insights into her work as well as her thoughts on swimming and where she sees swimming moving to into the future. Please share the hidden gems you find in Sherry's interview on our Facebook page, Aquatic Mentors, and you will find all her contact details listed at the end of the show notes. If you want to share your aquatic story, please contact me via my email, regionalswimclinics at outlook.com. I'd love to be able to share your journey in swimming with my listeners. Check out our website, aquaticmentors.com, for our season one ebook and it explains the tips and tricks given by our season one guests on the podcast. So let's dive in and find out more about Sherry's journey in swimming. So, Sherry, how did you start your journey in swimming? As a technical official, yeah, I think like. I would say probably 75%, if not more, of the technical officials, if you were to talk to them and ask them how their journey started. I have three children, and when they were very little, we did some house renovations here in the home that we live in, and my husband, in his wisdom, decided we all get a pool. So with my children, my eldest was about six at the time, and I thought, well, if we're going to get a pool, we need to get these kids taught how to swim. So as chance would have it, one afternoon, one of the children came home with a flyer in their school bag saying, teach your children to swim at Rose's Swim School down at Peakhurst uh, West School, which is not far from here. 
And I thought, oh, that's that's really good. I'll ring Miss Rose and I'll see if I can get my kids in to learn to swim. So we went dutifully down there to learn to swim and they started their lessons. My youngest would have been just once. I remember him still being in nappies. And then after about 18 months, my eldest daughter was quite proficient in swimming. And so, of course, again, now from learn to swim, we progressed the children to the club. So you come along on a club day, and I had no idea what club swimming was. <laughs> come along on the day and, you, you know, you have some races and you get some ribbons and you meet other kids and all this stuff. So that was great. And I thought, oh, yeah, that sounds like a bit of fun. So the next week I took my daughter along to this, this swimming club, same pool, worked out what I had to do, put her in the races and went and sat in the grandstand. And I'd been sitting up there for about half an hour and this man came and sat next to me and he said, oh, we need you down on pool deck to time keep. And I went, what? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> so I had no idea what he was talking about. I said, no, 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 I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. And he said, that's okay, we'll come on down and we'll teach you. So the next week I went along, took my daughter to the swimming club and somebody stuck a stopwatch in my hand. <laughs> and I like to say I haven't sat in the grandstand since. And that six-year-old or eight-year-old as she was then is now 37, 38. So that's 30 years ago, let's just say. Yeah, so that's how I started, just getting my children learned to swim and then from there it just progressed. You know, my technical official journey uh, progressed from there. Wow, what an amazing journey. Mm. It, has, it has been since that day, I can tell you. It's been a, <laughs> quite a wonderful journey. Mm. Wow, and a baptism of fire of come on, we'll teach you how to do it. <laughs> Pretty much, it's like chucked in the deep end. I mean, and of course, Obviously, it's timekeeping. Like I can look back now and go, it was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. And back then, in the day of you know, we used to have three stop three stop watches on the end of every pool. So you yep. know, you got to chat and you got to meet the other people in the club, and the kids were having a ball. And the start also started like long friendships as well between the people that we got to know because Peakhurst was not a big competitive club like some of the others. So people that are there now were people that were there before even I was there. So very friendly, non-competitive club. If your child showed promise in, in swimming and you wanted to then progress to, you know, say a district level or a metropolitan level or whatever, you basically have to go to another club and find a coach because we didn't have a coach. We were just yes. a little friendly social swimming club. So, And I'm still a member of that social club. Wow. So the longevity in the sport and to be able to give back. And what a yeah, great idea of just having the identity of a social, fun club, no pressure. I think we all sort of strive now to get bigger and better. And, you know, even these little clubs are trying to compete and get involved, but to have that identity and be that first stop to then move them on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. There were some good times. We had some good times. Yeah. Yeah. And to make friends out of it, I think that's also fantastic that, you know, you've taken that progression, but you've built a friendship and probably also friendship with mums and dads of other kids that your daughters have got and continue to get friends with. So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got friends to this day that we still see and go out with and and, and now we're, we're seeing 
the kids that my kids went and learned to swim and started with, we've got their kids. So it's like a, it's like a third generation, you know, like there's us and there's our kids now we're teaching. Their kids are all running at club. And those children, a lot of those children that were in that club environment way back then, 30-odd, 25 years ago, they're now running the club. They've taken up the mantle of, you know, treasurers and, and race secretaries and things like that. So it's sort of really, really good to see that the loyalty that that um, belongs to that club so and I'm sure there's other clubs out there like that but I think our, I obviously think our club's very special <laughs> <laughs> I'm not biased at all <laughs> I like that though to be able to bring the longevity out of it and it must have been good to have these children continue to come back and then become the next generation that are running the club mm-hmm. and share that with their children if they're still in it then you've obviously done something right I th- and I think as I said earlier I think that's the the thing with Peakhurst is because it's such a little tiny swim club and we don't have a resident coach the competitiveness isn't there it was always to have some fun and get the kids in the water teach them the water skills and as I said if you had a child that did show promise they usually ended up leaving and going on to join another bigger club, competitive club with, with coaching facilities that we just didn't have. So, yeah, I think that was probably the secret to our club. That's amazing. And what a good secret to have to have the enjoyment and the fun and make swimming entertaining for these kids and really start them on the, a fantastic path to continue if they want to. Yeah, yeah. It was good times. Yeah. Love it. What's the biggest lesson you've learned in your time as a technical official in, in the aquatics area? For me and my journey personally, it's just know your rules, learn your stuff. I've also learnt equality. Everybody needs to be treated equally because as a judge, as a referee, we can't show favouritism, obviously. We can't say, well, that's our kid or I know him or I know a mother or whatever. It's like it's, it's a kid in the water doing a race that has to be judged and we are there to make that a fair playing field for every child in that water in every race. I've learned equality. I've, I've learned everyone's got a story, so you've got to have a lot of patience. The biggest thing I've learned is to know my rules, is to know my craft, because if you apply that equally across, you know, whether it's the Olympics or club night on a Friday night, to know your craft and to be able to apply that to any level of swimming I think is probably the biggest thing that I've learned. Patience, a lot of patience. You spend a lot of time standing on the end of the pool or you spend a lot of time walking up and down the pool and getting your steps up. So, yeah, patience, yeah, know your rule, know your craft. And I think to apply that fairly is what makes some technical officials stand out because mm-hmm. what happens then is you build up a trust between the as we talked about before the coaches and the swimmers you know, they look up and they see oh you know sherry smith or whoever bill brown is the referee today we know we're going to get a fair deal you know we know we're going to get a fair hearing if, if we do have a disqualification hopefully they understand that i have my place in that carnival and that i can be approachable and that I know my stuff. So if I tell them that is, there's something wrong, that they, they will take that away and, and work with that. So, yeah, so I think it's um, that the building of trust as well in, within the, the components of a swimming carnival. 
I like that idea of it's not you and then the coaches are separate. It's we all work together and to build that trust because, you know, like we're talking earlier, if it's not being done correctly, you're the first ones that are going to see it and it's then going to go back through the uh, swimmer to the coach and they have to reassess what they're doing and get it correct. So to build that trust and the understanding to know that they're going to have a fair go, Hmm. then I think that's just the underbelly of it all and the grounding that we need in the swimming to know that, you know, you're working together and you're all there for the swimmer. Exactly right. And I think it's too, if we see something that the child is doing wrong, and nine out of ten times it works this way, I mean, you always get an angry parent or an angry coach that's going to come down. And as I said, I understand that the time investment and everything that they put into those swims that they do to, to end up getting disqualified is very disheartening. But I think it's good that we can work together and say, look, this is what the child's done and this is where you need now to take that child away and work on it so that he doesn't get or she doesn't get disqualified time after time after time. And 99% of the time the coaches or even the parents will come up and say they just want to know what they've done wrong, what the child has done incorrectly so that they can take it away and fix it. So that's a really good thing so that we sort of kind of like little mini coaches. And as I said earlier, working together with the coaches, make sure that the kids, number one, that the kids enjoy it. I mean, at the bottom line is they've got to enjoy it. And there's nothing worse than putting all that hard work in and going along and getting disqualified. It's probably the most disheartening thing that can happen to a swimmer. You know, put all that time and effort, early mornings, training up and down, up and down, one 30-second swim and freestyle, and they're out. Yeah. So I think it's if we can work together with the coaches and the swimmers and make sure that we're all on that uh, level playing field and everyone's treated fairly, then I think that's, yeah, you're, you're home and host. Yeah. And you are, I suppose you've got to look at it as you're building resilience in the swimmers and giving them that better understanding. And we said before how, you know, knowing your rules, a lot of coaches will know how to teach a stroke, but, yeah, do they understand the background of the rules and mm. exact points with it? And I think that's something that needs to be connected with, like we were saying. But it is, you know, trusting you as an official that you know your stuff and that you're going to be fair. You're going to give everyone a go and, yeah, be in it for the swimmer, as we've said. Exactly. So what's been the highlight of your swimming journey and technical official journey so far? I've had a wonderful journey, Katrina, as I said earlier rising up through the ranks and and getting to FINA has taken me to some wonderful places and I've met some wonderful people traveling overseas to different countries to officiate has just been like the most amazing journey that anybody could have and I mean I've been very very fortunate but the most amazing story I have is the Commonwealth Games back in 2018 when they were held here and on the Gold Coast in Australia so and I was nominated to be one of only two referees. We had a lovely lady from South Africa and she was refereeing the girls' events and I was refereeing the men's events. And we were the only two referees for the whole of the Commonwealth Games. So to be selected to referee at that level of competition was the standout of my career it was just like it was a surreal time it was an absolutely glorious meet the weather was kind to us up there in Queensland and yeah it was 
the best journey. And like when when we go overseas, when we're chosen to go overseas, if we get to be a judge of stroke or an inspector turn or a chief or whatever, we're doing well because you have your at that level, you have your high, your FINA board officials. They get all the they get the referees and starters jobs and they get that. So you know it's nice, but to be the referee in your own country at a Commonwealth Games was pretty special. It was pretty, and it will always stay with me. It was uh, a very surreal time, and luckily for me, touch wood, I um, <laughs> I had a good meet. I had a you know like we're all human, and every time we walk out on that pool deck, we make mistakes. An official turns around and tells you that they don't, and then they're telling you little porky pies because we always make little mistakes. We just hope that nobody sees them, you know. Nobody's watching. You know, I sat down when I should have stood up or I walked when I shouldn't have walked or or whatever. So you hope that nobody sees those little little faux pas. But um, luckily for me, I had a, a tremendous uh, week up there and uh, I did, I think, I hopefully, I did Australia proud. And, um, yeah, it was a, a great journey and a, and a great honour and a pleasure So that would have to be the highlight of my journey so far. Wow, what an experience. Mm. To be chosen out of, you know, all the referees that they have available, to be able to be at a home Commonwealth Games, to share your knowledge and then to have a fantastic meet on top of it. That is, wow, a fantastic opportunity and definitely a massive career highlight. Yeah, it definitely was, definitely was. But I was also lucky too that... um, like when you get to that sort of level of competition, the swimmers are the best of the best. Yeah. They're world record holders, they're breakers, you know, common record holders. But the other thing for me is that the officials, the team of officials, because as you would be well aware and appreciate, and I hope a lot of people out there do, it takes about 40 people basically to run, a, 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 say, a 10-lane swimming meet at a high level where all the positions are filled. So <laughs> that's a lot of officials. So the team that was selected to work at the Commonwealth Games, honestly, Katrina, the best of the best, the cream of the cream. It was an absolute honour for me to work with that crew and to know that every aspect of those swimming games was covered by a professional or several professionals. Best of their jobs, know exactly what they're doing, know the rules, know their stuff and like to know for me as the lead referee to know that I had that backup behind me and hopefully that they understood that I have their back as well. It was just like the the camaraderie between that team of officials was probably one of the highlights for me. Yeah. Wow. Having that, yeah, the camaraderie to together to be able to go out and be able to officiate such a great meet, but you're also doing it at such an elite level and everyone has their expertise and you know you can band together and rely on each other. Exactly. The pinnacle, very much a pinnacle of an event. Mm, yeah. So are you going to be there for 2032 for our Gold oh, I'm, I'm off the FINA list now. I did, um, when, you go, when you get to FINA, you get four years. So your your um, tenure is four years. So I had two back to back four years, eight years. I came off beginning of this year, which is my yep. first year of not being a FINA referee. Oh, so no. all, all the young and upcoming ones are coming up now. So I'll be there, but I think I might be a spectator because that's a long way away for me, and I'm not getting any younger, Katrina. 
So I think I'll be there, but I'll be there. Uh, I might volunteer, actually. But one of my areas of expertise as, as well is results. I was lucky enough to work at the Olympics and the Paralympics in, in 2000 in the um, recording area there. I did timing results. So I'm hoping that maybe my expertise in that field still will, maybe I might get a, a little foothold into the into the recording side of things at 32 I don't know but I'll definitely be there as you know when it's in your home ground like the 2000 Olympics it was you're probably way too young to remember that but I no 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 I remember that I I mean I know I I just spoke about the Commonwealth Games being the highlight of of my technical official journey but the, uh, the Olympic Games in 2000 was just like it's just another level again and I mean so to be involved in in that in 32 I would love to be so I might if I'm still getting around all right I might volunteer as a volunteer but um yeah we'll see but I'll definitely be there as a spectator yeah that's fantastic and you know you don't know what you could be doing at that time only as I keep saying my husband it's only 11 years I'm I'm the same age as your oldest daughter um yeah, so to know that, you know, it's not that far away in the, the grand scheme of life. And you never know what you could be doing. You could be mentoring. You could be all sorts of stuff. I mean, imagine seeing someone you've put through as, and helped as a technical official to be able to see them on that grand stage as well. And hopefully we can get you in, do the call out now to get you in on the... Yeah, I'll just let everyone that wants to listen know I'm available. <laughs> And I call it, and it's funny you should mention the mentoring side of things because um, now that my international run has finished, so to speak, nationally, mentoring is one thing that I absolutely love doing. I think I was you know, a teacher in another life. I'm not sure. But I love to pass on my knowledge. I love to see the up-and-comers strive and I have quite a few mentees that are under me at the moment so every time that and Simon's one of them so every time they step out on on the on the deck there it's like I watch them and it's like oh you know I was a little part of that I was a little way towards their journey of wherever they may end up in the in the big scheme of things so I really really enjoy the mentoring sides hopefully that might you know take me up there as well I'm not sure but certainly something I love to do and and that I'll fall back on once my little legs can't carry me around so much. <laughs> You'll be able to, still on a scooter up and down the deck <laughs> telling them how to do it. I think it's what keeps me um, fit, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it would. Yeah. I'm amazed I um, did my timekeeping qualification and started doing my judge's stroke and went, whoa, I've really learned how unfit I am when you have to walk up and down. You do, and sometimes you really get that level of like I can't do this anymore and that's where you then turn the professional light bulb on you go no I've got to I've got to work through this sometimes you get home and you sit down your poor feet ache like anything your back aches and you go why am I doing this you know but then as soon as the call out goes out again you put your hand up yep I'll do it yep yep well and that was the thing when you said earlier on that you're doing can do up to three meets in a day I thought how do you do it yeah it's hard yakka sometimes yeah Mm. But it's amazing that you're able to, and like you said, it keeps you young and keeps you fit and going. And I think by the sounds of it, we will see you on a scooter going up and down, <laughs> telling them what to do. Well, I don't think I'll be in a scooter. I hope I'm not in a scooter. But um, yeah, hopefully I'm there somewhere in the background. Yeah. 
<laughs> some other little pearls of wisdom. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yelling out for the grandstands. <laughs> <laughs> Told you not to do that. <laughs> oh, we'll see what happens. We'll see where we are in 11 years, as you say. It's a, yeah. It's, it's um, very close. It's also, it's a, it seems like a lifetime away. But Well, well that's the thing. It's on that borderline. I think a lot can change in that time, but it's also... It's quite close. I think be amazing. I mean, we were talking earlier about the struggles that there are, especially in regional areas. And as I hear from some metro counterparts in metro as well, trying to get officials and get people involved to be someone like yourself that can mentor people through and you know take that on. It would be amazing to share the experience you've, you've had, but put up the people and build up that next generations of officials. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I hope I can play a small part in in that. It would be really good. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Yeah. I've always had a dream of being, I suppose, I've I've lived by the quote lately that if they can't see it, they don't know it's there. Correct. I mean, I know young kids and swimmers can see there's technical officials, but do they know what goes into it? And I've always thought it'd be amazing to be able to give these kids the opportunities to start some sort of academy or at least some training that they can learn what they have to do at the same time that they're swimming Mm. Um, and to build that understanding in it because I think sometimes, I don't know if it's just me or wherever, but, the you know, the kids give the officials a bit of a bad ripe because, oh, they're going to disqualify me. They're out there to get me. And I think that's the thing. If they understood what was going on, then they can take that option as well themselves. Yeah. That couldn't be further from the truth, you know. But as I also said earlier, and in anything, any job, there's always good and there's bad. So, and and you do hear stories of, of terrible technical officials that are you know yelling at kids and yelling at coaches, and but that's not that's not the the road that I walk down, and most of the officials that do go to the higher level, they don't have that attitude. It's, it's a bad attitude, but you also can see that that would be their attitude no matter what their job was, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of people. So, and I do understand that some poor kids can get um, very put off swimming because they've had a bad experience with a technical official, but I would just like to put it out there that we're not all like that. You know, we're very understanding. And as I said before, we're there for the kids you know, we're not out to get anybody, right? All we're doing is is enforcing the rules to make sure that everybody has a fair playing field. So, and I think as they get a little bit older, if they stay in the sport, they truly understand that. And it's nice for me to see now that we have within New South Wales, regional and metropolitan, that we have several young technical officials coming through that okay. were, were swimmers. So they've, they've obviously enjoyed their journey and uh, once their swimming career ends, they want to give back a little bit as well. So they look at the role of um, some go to coaching, of course, and um, some go into other areas, but it's nice to see some of them coming along to the technical official side of things. So we're getting that nice little band of younger technical officials coming through, which is so great to see, and they're ex-swimmers. So I think that that's the way we're going to get that message out there is, is through the younger ones and their training of them and our mentoring of them. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. And it is about getting that fresh new generation, giving them the experience, the opportunities to take it on 
and understand what's involved. And I think it can make them a better swimmer while they're actually swimming. Uh, and then more relatable, it makes the sport more relatable if these young kids are seeing older children involved in giving back as well. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So I hope we can keep that up. It's like anything we talk about in swimming. We're always talking about training and retention and how do we keep technical officials in the sport? Because a lot of time, as you'd appreciate and know, it's all right to go down to club on a Friday night and hold the stopwatch and, you know, maybe be the starter. But when your kid stops swimming, you stop going to club. So you might be there for five or six years as a parent, you know, doing a couple of credentials and then the, the child says, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. They move on or they've got studies or they go overseas or whatever the case may be. And then we lose the parents. So all that training that we put into the parents as technical officials, we lose that as well. So retention is a big thing with technical officials and how to train them up and how to, um, well, the training is the easy part, but how to retain them. It's never going on. And we talked earlier about having enough officials to run our swim meets. So, and you know what, honestly, Katrina, I think that's that's never going to go away. You know, mm-hmm. people like me, the, the chlorine gets in your blood and that's it. You're there, whether you've got kids swimming or not, and then there's others who go, no, I'm not going to go down there. I've got no reason to be down there. But if you have a look around you, and this is what's something I'd like the children and the coaches to appreciate, if you go down to Homebush, say, a state meet, or even if you go to regional meets or um, metropolitan meets, you go to one of those meets and you look around at all the technical officials that you'll see walking up and down at the end of the pool, in the back room, in recording, the announcers, the marshals, tech starting in the marshalling area. I would guarantee you that probably 90% of those officials do not have kids swimming anymore or wow. kids are swimming at that meet. So they're there purely as volunteers for your child, for you as a swimmer, for your child if you're their coach. We're there for them. So we don't have to be. We could be sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon with our feet up and a beer and watching the football as well, but we actually choose to be down there. So, And, yes, a lot of us are older because we actually now have the time to give back to the sport because we're not working. That doesn't make us senile or stupid. And I know that's a hard thing for the kids to understand because, you know, anyone that's got grey hair or, you know, is over 21 is an oldie. But, um, <laughs> well, that's how they perceive us. But, um, but along with that, we, we bring a lot of uh, wealth of knowledge to, to the sport. So, and we don't get paid. That's another thing that a lot of people look down on those and go, oh, they're getting paid to be there. We don't get paid. We are volunteers and we're, we're there for the love of the sport and, and to see those children achieve, just like we were when we started out with our kids and somebody was refereeing our kids or timekeeping our kids. So we're just giving back now to the sport and we've got more time to be able to do it because in this day and age, everybody's time poor, everybody's time poor. And the last thing you want to do is go and volunteer and get, stand on the end of the pool and get wet when you could be doing lots and lots of other things. Yeah, mum and dad work. So, you know, you've got a weekend free. It's very um, hard now to get uh, that the volunteer culture as good as what it was, I think. But I want the kids to know that we're there for them. So, yeah. That's exactly it. And I've got no response to that because you've just said it all perfectly. You're there giving your time and, yeah, but you, you're not seen now. <laughs> far, far from it. <laughs> oh, I don't have my days. <laughs> In other ways, 
<laughs> you know swimming that well that you're not senile in that way, but in other ways. True, true. <laughs> well, that was amazing. Exactly. And again, really reiterating that you guys are there for the kids and there for everyone to enjoy it and get the best out of the sport and that you are volunteering your time and yeah, not to to pick up on people and you've done the journey and you're giving back now. I think that's fantastic and we should be so grateful as an industry to have you involved and have grateful that you're taking that time to be able to give back to the sport and make it as great as it is. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And it's our pleasure. Oh, I love it. That's brilliant. I'm just that your answer just blew me away. Sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I speak from the heart. I do speak from the heart and, and a lot of experience. So, and I, I, you know, you hear everything that's said and from the kids and the coaches. And, you know, as I said, one bad experience puts you off and, and that's a shame, but um, it does happen. That's life. We have, everybody has bad days and good days and good experiences and bad experiences. So, but yeah, I hope that explains it a little bit. And if this gets out there to the kids and the coaches, that they can appreciate us maybe just a little bit more. A little bit more. <laughs> Lots and flowers. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Just to thank you. We, we work, you know, we'll get out there and stand on the end of the pool and get wet for, you know, from 9 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock at night. And we're there an hour before and an hour after, if not longer. And you, it only takes one kid or one coach to walk into that room and go, we just want to say thank you. And that's it. We, we are on in seventh heaven. We'll all go home with smiles on our faces and go, you know, that was a great day. And, you know, it's, it's all it takes sometimes, you know, it's just a, a thank you and we're as happy as Larry. Yeah. yeah, just a heartfelt thank you. Thank you for yeah. your time. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's all you need these days. And does someone take that time and to come see you? I think that's it. Yeah. It does happen. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Like you, you know the ones that will come down and and thank you for your time. So it's just, uh, it does happen. It's uh, and it's lovely. It's lovely that that culture still exists. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's something I'm going to train my kids. I mean, I always say you're going to say thank you when you're served or anything. And I think I think as a club, we should be training our kids to go up to a technical official and say thank you for your time. Yeah, just if you pass them on the way out or at the door or in the car park, you just give them a wave and a thanks. And, you know, it truly, I can't tell you how far that goes. It goes a long, long way. Mm. I love it. That's brilliant. So was there anyone that's played a big role in your journey, a swim teacher or a coach or a mentor or family member that's encouraged you to continue on your journey? I've always been encouraged by the people around me. I have a wonderful family, a very supportive husband and um, three kids that support what I do and are very proud of what I do. And back when I started my journey, we didn't have mentors. Now we have a mentor program. We have all sorts of things, that, uh, people we can call on and uh, groups of people that we can call on. So back in my day, we didn't have a, a, a mentor program. So I sort of kind of was one of those ones we'd sit back and watch but of course along the way and then try and work out myself what was a good thing to do and what wasn't a good thing to do and watch the ones that I thought did a good job as I was learning my craft but um obviously every time you work with someone you work with another referee you work with a starter I spent a lot of time in uh, the recording room on meet manager many 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 years out there so I had several 
mentors, I suppose you would call them, that taught me the ropes and how to do it and how to do it well. So I've had the pleasure of having many, 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 I would call them mentors and help and support along the way. I could, you couldn't do it. Like you couldn't get to that level without, I think firstly, without the support of your family, because it does, as I said, swimming is a very singular, solitary sport. And if you didn't have that uh, group of people behind you at home that supported what you did and the time that you spend away from your family. Um, I was lucky that we were into swimming. So for the first 10 years or so, 15 years, it was part and parcel of our lifestyle. So it was easy, just like anybody that, say, has a footballer or a a basketballer in their family. You know, you go to the clubs, you go to the social events, everybody sort of supports you. So I was very lucky with my start off with, with my support network here at home. And then, as I said, as you start to go up through the ranks and you start to learn your the rules and the, your, the craft, there's lots of people that will hold your hand. So many wonderful people in swimming, more than happy to give you advice, more than happy to hold your hand, pick you up when you fall over because we fall over a lot. No, I don't mean physically, but, you know, when we when we have a bad day or we make wrong calls, lots of people that will pick you up and, and carry you through and support you and give you their advice. So I have, to, for me to name one, no, I don't have any one mentor as such that I had. I had many. Very lucky. And I think that probably helped me to be a, round, a very rounded official, to be able to take in the good and the bad from all of those things and absorb it all and, and then come up with the, my style, me as a technical official. So, yeah, yeah, lots and lots and lots of people that I could thank on the way. Mm. I really like that, that you're taking the time to observe people, the good and the bad, because we're never perfect. There's things we do well, things we do wrong. But then be taking the best out of everyone and become a well-rounded official. That's a, a fantastic way to look at it and a fantastic way to learn and adapt. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, I mean, like you see some shockers. I do remember watching one woman when I first started on my national journey. She was from Western Australia. And I used to look at her and she used to always, she was always so calm. She always looked well on pool deck. She was presented well. I liked the way she stood. I liked the way she walked, like, you know, where she walked and just all the little things. I used to watch her a lot. It was funny because when you go to nationals and you get a job as a referee or and a starter, you get assessed. Every time we walk on pool deck, we are assessed. Yeah. And she ended up being one of my assessors down the track, years down the track, and I remember saying to her, so don't give me a bad assessment because I modelled myself on you. <laughs> so, no, I didn't really physically say that, but I did model myself. And as time went on, she ended up being an assessor and, and assessed me many times. So I thought, well, I hope you can see that I, I sort of kind of took a bit from you. I watched her a lot, you know, so it's, you never know where you're going to end up or who's watching you or who's assessing you. So, yeah, it was, but yeah, she was one of my role models for sure. That's amazing to be able to, yeah, you don't know where you're going to end up. You're taking what you see from her, her mannerisms, the way she walks, the way she deals with stuff, how she's calm. And then, yeah, she's giving back, she's assessing you. And I didn't realize how much she did get assessed. 
Yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. At national level, every time you walk out, you're assessed. <laughs> I mean, like we look at it that every time we walk out on pool deck, we've got the whole of the grandstands are watching us and watching what we do and how we handle things they love to watch us when there's an issue where there's somebody's yelling at us and they go see how she handles that so we're always being we're always being critiqued of course but on an official level yeah very much so we're we're assessed all the time so we need to be on our game you know like we need to be doing the right thing we need to be showing that we know our rules and you know, when we have protests, we can't just go, well, I think this is what should happen. We've got to to be able to say to these people, we know the rules, we're applying the rules, that, so and we know our stuff. So, yes, yeah, very important. And I think the assessment process is a good one because, I mean, we're, we should be on our toes every time we walk out there, but when you know you're getting assessed, everyone will agree, when you know you're getting assessed, you really, really, really put that effort in, you know. So yeah. um, I, a lot of people don't like being assessed. They don't handle it very well. I actually like it because I think, you know what, and getting back to what you asked me, the question about having a mentor or something like that, each and every one of those assessors that have obsessed me over the years I've always been able to take away at the end of that assessment story something that they've, they've picked up because you you look at yourself from the inside out so you don't see yourself as other people do. For someone to say, well, you know what, you, you, you're you not doing this or you're not doing that or did you realise that you're not looking at this when you should be looking at that? And you go, oh, you know, I didn't know, I didn't realise that. I thought I was doing okay, you know. So for, to have positive reinforcement and positive feedback of the job that you're doing I think is invaluable personally Mm -hmm. I think to be assessed is is great because even if you don't have a good day you can always take something positive out of that that assessment and go away and work on it so once again you're honing your skills and I don't care what level because the, the the higher the level you go the harder it is to get a gig because so many people want that job. So you have to stand out from the rest. So if somebody wants to give me some positive feedback, more than happy to take it, more than happy to take it, yeah. What a, a great outlook to have because, yeah, like you said, you've got to hone those skills. So any feedback you get is going to be better than nothing. Yes. To adapt and know what you're doing. And I think, as you said, we all go into our own heads and or we think we're doing it right, but, you know, what if we are missing something? Correct easily be picked up and then also we judge ourselves so for someone to come up and go actually you did really really well there when you think oh man I completely stuffed it up you just have reassurance as well they're not always out there to tell you you're doing something wrong if you're not like they're not going to pick up on you Mm. yeah I think that's fantastic the continual reassurance yeah I think it's continual learning you know I think it's always we can always learn we can always do something better for an official, for a technical official, to strive if, if you're going to take that pathway up through the to the higher level, you have to improve. Every time you walk out, you have to get better and you have to improve. So yeah. Brilliant. Very well put. So what advice would you give to a new technical official coming into the ranks? Oh, okay. That's a tough one, Katrina. I think from a personal point of view, it's not going to happen overnight. You don't get to be a lead referee overnight. You've got to put some hard yards in. I've had technical officials over the years. that They've been a technical official for five minutes, then they don't get the referee's gig and they go, 
I've been doing this for two years. Why am I not getting to be the referee? And it's like, well, there's a lot of people out there that have been doing it a lot longer, probably a lot better than you are. It's a long journey. It's a very, very long journey from when you start out. And I think that the secret is not to rush it. Like you've got to be able to sit back and say, am I ready for this level of competition? Am I ready to take that responsibility on? Because at the end of the day, a referee, it starts and stops with you. The buck starts and stops with you. You, you can turn around, you can blame the swimmers, you can blame the facility, you can blame the um, technical officials under you. But at the end of the day, the responsibility starts with you. So I would say don't be in a rush to be the top dog. Sit back, enjoy the ride, take in everything that people want to, advice that people want to give you, and people will always want to tell you their their journey, their story, you know, how they did it, when they did it, you know, which is lovely. But take all that on board and don't push yourself too hard. Don't be too hard on yourself, but you've got to want it. To be a tech, swimming technical official, you've got to want it. And you, I think personally you've got to put in You've got to want it one hundred percent. You don't probably not the right pathway for you. Yeah, but if you're going to do it, do it and do it well, because a lot of people and a lot of decisions are riding on what you do. So yeah, that would be the advice I think I would give them. I like that. I think you know you can come in and do it at that lower level, that club level, and get your bearings. But if you want to continue and build up on that and you know, make more of it, then you need to actually do it properly and do it well. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to, I mean, my mantra has always been, if you're going to do it, do it well. Otherwise, what bother? That's always kept me in good stead. It's just like I'm not going to go out. It was like the Commonwealth Games. There was no way I was walking out on that pool deck and making a, a fool of myself. And I also had to step up to the fact that I realised I was representing Australia. So yes. I didn't want anybody to look at me as in i.e. us as a technical group and go well they sucked they were lousy they didn't know what they were doing they mucked it up I didn't want that so that's a, a lot of responsibility and I think that you know as I said if you're going to do it do it well the as well as you can possibly do it so yeah I just take your time and enjoy the journey yeah do it well I love that what advice as well would you give to say new coaches coming out that are learning how to deal with officials and the understanding of swimming and competitions? Do you have any advice that you would offer for them? Probably what I said earlier, I think that where technical officials and coaches are both there for the same reason. They want to teach their children or the, their charges how to swim the best they can to obviously get the PB or to get a gold medal or to get a record. So they're there to teach them how to do that and we're there to keep everybody honest. So at the, at the end of the day, and I can remember writing years ago, somebody asked me about at Peakhurst, Peak, my club was celebrating a, a milestone 50 years of being in existence and they asked me if I would write a little speech about a talk about my journey with Peakhurst and and how it all started there and, and where I had gotten to and I said then and I'll say it now that you go to club and there was nothing better than watching a kid get a PB mm. so it didn't matter whether they came stone last it didn't matter 
That child got in there, did the best that child could do and came away with a, a, a PB. That was back then was just the best thing and it just gave everybody, you know, the warm and fuzzies and uh, everybody loved that. And that still gives me the greatest pleasure today to watch those kids because some of them now that I'm officiating, that I remember seeing them as, as little five-year-olds with, with dirty nappies and things like this when they were learning to swim and, and getting up and doing butterfly and have, what do you call that, butterfly? <laughs> now here they are I'm officiating them at Commonwealth Games and and watching them at the Olympics and to see that and to see them achieve still gives me that same feeling it is the best feeling you can want and it's why we do it I think and I equate that back to the coaches the coaches put in so much hard work with their charges and to watch them achieve and to go up through the ranks and become fantastic athletes and sports people It's the same for us. So as a young coach, I would just say we're in this together. If this is going to be our journey with your child or your charge, we're in this together and nothing gives us pleasure as watching them achieve as well. So let's work together to make sure we get that end result. I love that. Very true. And, you know, it starts with these young coaches coming out, training them and and telling them that the officials aren't there against them and against the children's to, you know, we can advertise as assessors, as presenters, as mentors and other coaches that have been involved in the industry. We can let them know that that's a bond there that we should be connecting and nurturing more than building against it. Absolutely. And I think that once we break down those sorts of barriers, yeah, we're on the road. We're on a great road, a great journey for the kids. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for you, what does officiating look like into the future? Oh, well, I'm sort of kind of at the end of my road, my pathway, Um, really. As I said, I've just come off eight years of FINA refereeing, uh, which has been the pinnacle of my journey. And uh, I see myself, I think I spoke to you a little bit earlier about the mentoring role, assessing. I love to assess. I love to assess the new ones coming through and give them feedback and hopefully be a little bit of encouragement on their journey through um, on the pathway. So for me personally, I think I'm still very much involved. I've just come off the technical committee as well. So that's given me a little bit more freedom. I still present. I do a lot of presentations and I do a lot of mentoring. So I thought, you know, while ever I'm able to walk around that pool deck I'll be out there don't you worry I've sort of kind of gravitated a little bit inside back to where my roots were I started on the inside doing the meet manager and recording and then I went out all those years and did outside and now I'm coming back I really enjoy the electronics and the timing so the uh, quantum timing I'm starting to learn a lot about that and I do a lot of teaching in on meet manager so do seminars so yeah so my journey is still going just not quite at the highest level. I've, I've taken that step back down. But but I'll, I'll always have something to do with swimming. As I said, the chlorine's in my blood. That's it. So I'll probably, I will be like that little tubby pushing me up and down the side of the pool in a little wheelchair. Faster, faster, faster. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so, no, I hope I'll go out. I hope I go out a bit more gracefully than that. But, uh, yeah. No, I think I won't think I've got a lot to give still, but we'll see as we see. We'll see where the journey takes us and where it ends up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you're open to possibilities, which I love as well. And 
with the industry and sharing that knowledge you have. I think that's always fantastic that anyone that is willing to share and willing to take the time to give back and mentor and assess people makes a big difference in our community and our industry as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. (laughs) So this one is going to be a bit different to normal. For clubs and for the competitive industry, how can we promote the technical official side to be able to retain members but also get more technical officials through and get some of these younger swimmers in and showing how it's done? And can we do that with with funding options and without funding options? Mm. I mean, money, 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 isn't it really? I mean, like... <laughs> It's not like your football, it's not like your soccer, it's not like, you know, golf, where, you know, tennis where there's millions and millions and millions of dollars of sponsorship. Swimming doesn't have that, unfortunately. Yes, we're lucky to have some fantastic sponsors, both nationally and, and locally. Sponsorship, for me, is the big thing for money, if we're talking money. And as I said earlier too, but the, the age of the volunteer is not what it used to be. So retention is always going to be a struggle and as I said I think that we struggled years ago to retain technical officials and once the child leaves the sport normally the parents go with them and and there's only that handful like myself that, that hang around because of other factors so to me personally I think one of the biggest failures of swimming at a higher level and and probably even club level and and in between is advertising. I don't think we Mm. advertise enough. You know, I remember thinking like we've had some fantastic games held here in Australia, some fantastic competitions, and if you wouldn't know they were on. You would not even know that they were on because you don't see the, the coverage on TV, you don't see the coverage in the newspapers, Yes, you might hear about it within your closed circle of swimming, the swimming fraternity. But apart from that, I honestly don't think we advertise enough. So to get the sport of swimming out there, I think the key is advertising. And then going back, then that hand in hand with that is funding. So funding is is always going to be an issue. And in retention, it's a hard yard because, I mean, a lot of the jobs on a pool deck, as you'd be are well aware and appreciate it. Uh, uh, you know, you've got your timekeepers, you've got your inspectors of turns, you've got judges of strokes. That can be very boring for some people to be able to stand on the end of a pool, just getting wet hour after hour, walking up and down hour after hour with very little thanks. Um, as I said, we're volunteers, we don't get paid. So I, I honestly think that advertising to get it out there more is something we should do. And I think that moving forward with the sport, we're going to end up like football I think as technology takes over more and more we're going to see that take over some of the menial tasks of of a swimming competition so I think computers cameras things like that they're going to take the role this is me like in 30 years time seeing swimming that that computers and cameras will take over some of the more menial tasks of, of a swimming competition. And it's not like football where you've got a couple of sideline judges and a couple of major referees. It takes, as I said before, about 40 people to, to man a 10-lane pool at a, a competition uh, full full quota. So that's a lot of lot of volunteers to week in and week out. And like you take something like, say, a state championships that goes for six days. 
people just don't have that sort of freedom or time to spare anymore and they don't want to do it so I I feel that the media needs to hype up and I think that we need to incorporate electronics and you know technology to take over and then perhaps pay a group of specialists to run a meet that's how I say you look where you look now we've got so COVID actually obviously helped this along, but we've got self-marshalling. And all those people that used to be over in the marshalling area, they don't exist anymore, right? Um, timekeepers. We used to have like in a 10-lane pool, ideally we used to have, I remember when I first started, we'd have three timekeepers a lane, so that's 30, and then you'd have an inspector turns on every lane. So it was 40 people along the end of the pool. You had to jostle <laughs> for space, but, you know, that was... But now we don't have the timekeepers. We've got the overhead cameras. So that 40 has gone down to 10. Yes. So, and I keep seeing, and now we've got underwater cameras. So all the stuff we can't see from the surface will be seen underneath. We've got electronic lap counters. So the poor IT down the end of the pool that's turning over a physical lap counter, we could do away with them. So I, I can see that. I think that's the only way because we're not going to retain technical officials like we're used to. Mm-hmm. Katrina, what the answer is, I, I don't really know. I, but I, I honestly feel that advertising swimming is a way we need to, to get more people involved. Yeah, I really like that. And it's something I've always brought up is the fact that it's not promoted, it's not publicised. Like you said, you know, it's that sort of group of aquatic fraternity that do promote it. It's not like it used to be where everyone did swimming. Swim clubs were massive. I know in the local swim club that I'm president of, the amount of people that say, oh, you know, we used to have 130 kids competing and it was only another 20 doing learn to swim, whereas now it's the opposite way. It's not ingrained in our lives as it used to be. And there's many reasons for that and it's hard to pinpoint specific ones, but I think we're not getting it out there. Like you said, we're not promoting, we're not advertising it and how great it is and how the benefits are. Um, I think that's, yeah, definitely it's something I've always thought of. It needs to be out there and needs to be shared. And then using that technology, it's there. Use it when we can. And I think it will just keep getting better and better Mm. and we will be able to do away with more technical officials around the pool deck so that, that way too, the ones that are coming through will be able to share the workload and it won't be like, oh, I've got to spend every single weekend at the end of the pool. That psychology, that thinking will go and then I think people will, technical officials will strive to go further and higher so that then when you have maybe an elite group of referees, starters, whatever the case may be, electronic people to run the electronics, then maybe if we can work on the sponsorship, we can pay those people. And that, I think, is the key because people don't want to give up their time for nothing anymore. People are time poor. You want my time, it's going to cost you. And as sad as it is to say that, I just see that's the way it's going to go. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you know, that's just it. We are time poor. There is a lot taking our attention. There's a lot expected of us as well. And I think we just get caught in that trap and, We need to, I suppose, if we're going to ask people to get to that level and continue to develop and put that time in, we need to actually teach them to work with the technology. And there's stuff out there now that we can adapt to swimming, but there's also 
new stuff that we don't even know is going to be developed yet. They use it in so many industries. Why can't we use it in swimming? And if you can learn to adapt with the technology, you're always going to need that human element there. Yes. Yes, indeed. If we can reduce it and reduce the amount of time these people are on there and give them incentives for the time as well, it becomes, I think, a fantastic initiative to be able to get it out there and then advertise it on top. It's a win-win situation and all. I think that's the way it'll go in the future. I mean, as, as you said, as the technology unravels and we get better and better, bigger and better, but we still got to get the money. We still got to get the funding. But I, and I think that's advertisement. Yeah, make it more popular. Yeah. Needs to be popular as soccer's popular, as rugby's popular, as all of those, both for women and males. And that's the thing too, like if you've got a major sponsor and they're approached by a football club or a soccer club or a basketball club and then swimmers come along and they want to bite of the cherry, I know that from experience that the swimming will go to the bottom of the rank. Yeah, let's advertise Olympic Games and the Paralympic Games that, that have just gone and we did so well, Australia did so well. But you, you see that cyclic as well. You know, the next 12 months there'll be money, there'll be sponsorship, swimming, 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 and then that will die off again over the next couple of years. But I see that that's, that's just the way it is. But what yeah. the answer is, Katrina, I don't know. You're asking <laughs> the wrong person. I don't know. <laughs> no, but I think that's the thing. It's these ideas and these initiatives that people have, and it's something I've always said, there's, you know, everyone has their idea. They see it in where it be their little bubble or their bigger area, how they think they can improve. And if we can put those ideas together and whether we use it as a national scope or whether it just helps the local swim club get better. Either way, it's publicising the industry. It's building a better industry that we can help each other out. So I think it's fantastic to be able to share those. And it also, you know, you don't know what's going to be the next big idea with it. Absolutely. Yeah. So to be able to draw on that knowledge and those understandings and what could work here might not work where you are, might not work in WA or Northern Territory or Queensland or South Australia, can't forget Tassie. <laughs> it's all, it's different in different areas, but, you know, something you've suggested might help a, a, another area thrive and prosper. Mm, exactly. Okay. It'll be exciting to watch it unfold. Yes, yeah. And to be able to take that seat back in your scooter and be able to see, no, I shouldn't say that, should I? <laughs> oh, no, you're right, you're right. <laughs> Being able to sit in the grandstands and yell out. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much. That has been an amazing opportunity to be able to share the technical side and coming from someone with such wealth of knowledge and such experience in the industry. But also, you know, what you share is amazing and I think the points you bring up are so close to home and to be able to be able to generate the interest in the sport and you see it from not just the technical official but in a whole as well. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, love it. Love it. It's my absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you.